0: one 821 5900 is the number any time to get a hold of Lior and the firm It is help and employmenthour.com. Got uh, John Pickus on the show. It's been a few weeks, pal. How are you? I'm good. I'm cold, but I good. know. Eight Mondays until spring. How about that? Yeah. Well, who would have thought Canada cold weather? <laughs> Go figure, right? Go figure. Uh, lots to get through today. We're going to be talking about biggest uh, mistakes employers make, a uh, working notice of termination, lots of stuff to get through. Your emails as well. But first, we start the show as we like to do with the other uh, week. That was a couple cases that uh, you've seen. You're working on some interesting stuff. What do you got going on?
1: Yeah, well, the first situation uh, I got is a gentleman who contacted me last week and wanted to talk about his record of employment. He's concerned that he was terminated for shortage of work, and the reason for issuing the ROE said uh, dismissal, code M. So he wanted to make sure that this wasn't going to impact him on the job search going ahead. So the first thing I said is that it doesn't really matter what the ROE says. It's it's not something that's going to be submitted to future employers, and it's not something that you're going to attach to your resume. It's The reality is, is that it's really mostly for employment insurance benefits. So as long as it doesn't interfere with that, you're fine. Uh, but here's where the story got a little interesting. Uh, I asked this individual just out of curiosity how long he worked there and how much severance he was paid. Well, he was 39 years old and worked at the company for 10 years as a salesperson earning $60,000 per year. So guess how much severance he was paid?
0: Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Little short.
1: Well, he said, I Googled the Employment Standards Act, and that seemed right to me. Of course, that's not true. And as listeners of the show will know, the Employment Standards Act is for minimum entitlements only. And given his length of service, he was easily entitled to nine months pay. And and that was almost $36,000 more than he was paid. Uh, So we've been engaged in settlement discussions with the employer, and undoubtedly, he's going to end up with with probably tens of thousands more in his pocket as a result of contacting us. So although it was for a different reason, I'm I'm glad that he did. So the lesson, don't Google lawyer. Uh, You know the saying about don't go to Mr. Google doctor. Same thing applies to your legal rights. Don't just Google your rights and and look up the first thing you see. Go to the severance pay calculator or give us a call better yet and, and let us talk about what you're actually owed.
0: It's lucky as well he didn't start a, uh, a claim with... Uh you know, with the labor board, because then I could have got him in some heat as well, right? Yeah, if you start a claim with the labor
1: board, you've got two weeks to fix your mistake, yeah. and after two weeks, you're locked in. So you got to be careful with that. Yeah,
0: and it, it is a mistake. It's exactly you're not uh, you know you're not stressing that enough. It is a mistake to do so because then you can't seek legal help and get uh, every shekel you're owed through a company and through a firm like you guys. So don't do it, right?
1: It really is. And yeah. what I tell my employer clients who've been hit with a, a claim from the Ministry of Labor is the first thing I said is thank God for you that they brought a claim with the Ministry because right there you've just saved yourself tens of thousands of dollars because you're not going to have to pay that now. So don't make that mistake. Don't be on the other side of that. What else you got going on? So the second situation was actually a a bit of an upsetting one. Uh, A woman emailed us and told us she'd been working for a very large retail company in their head office for the last 18 years. She's a single mother, earns just above minimum wage as a customer support rep. So she'd come back to work after a sick leave for depression to find out the company had implemented a new computer system to log her calls. Unfortunately, because of her sick leave, she missed the training. They gave her some training, but it was very brief, maybe about a third of what her colleagues received. So she really struggled. It did start to affect her performance working with the new system, and eventually she found herself targeted for a performance improvement plan, what's often called a PIP. And every performance improvement plan she received, she had to have a warning uh, that she would have to sign. So she's emailing her supervisor, her manager, her HR representative. No one will help her. Six months go by, and she receives one, two, three warnings. Finally, they fire her for cause and don't pay her any severance. So what's really upsetting about this situation is after she was fired, she was clinically depressed. She had to go on medication. It's going to be a while before she can work again. And in the meantime, she has to support her children and somehow find a way to get her health back in order. So I spoke to her on the phone, and she was understandably very emotional. And of course, the first thing I told her is, no, the company did not have cause for dismissal. And fortunately, this woman was very smart. And on every disciplinary letter she received, she specifically wrote that she did not agree and noted that she was not receiving the training she was asked for. She just scribbled it on there, and that was perfect. She also had emails between her and her supervisor, her manager, human resources. It, It was perfect. So it didn't matter to me that she'd gotten so many warnings, because clearly this performance improvement plan was complete nonsense and bullying. Not only was this a wrongful dismissal, but the company is also on the hook for human rights damages. So we're working on a severance package right now, and I have no doubt that she's going to be able to obtain some meaningful compensation that will give her some financial security until she can get back on her feet.
0: You know, you've mentioned this before, and Leor has so many times with performance improvement plans. And quite often, what the uh, the company forgets to do is the improvement plan part. They just figure putting you on one, then lodging complaints is enough to get rid of you. But they don't actually take a you know a proactive approach to training you and doing things to improve your work, right? Yeah, warnings are are definitely a
1: relevant consideration when you're talking about just cause, but you can't just issue warnings willy nilly (laughs) and say, well, we issued warnings, so we've covered it. No, they have to actually be warnings about something that the employer reasonably asked them to do that allowed them an opportunity to to improve and and that there's actually some meaning to them. So, I mean, there's a couple lessons to this story. The first is obviously that you you want to put everything in writing just as this lady did, which was brilliant, Uh, because if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. And the second thing is that if you've received warnings that you think are unfair, make sure you speak up because those things will uh, come back to haunt you later if you don't.
0: A couple, uh, couple minutes to go here. Yeah, and you talked about it. You used it, of course, in your own head because you practice it every day. But to get that severance amount of the first person who just you know thought it was the employment standard act amount, uh, the way you can do it on your own if you're listening, severancepaycalculator.com. Give me some details on it. So the severance pay calculator is something that I know ST
1: Law is very proud of. It's anonymous, it's free, it's easy, it's accurate. So you go to severancepaycalculator.com, you enter in a few a few pieces of information, takes five minutes, and you'll find out what you're owed. It'll give you a range, and then you can have a discussion with us, or if you don't like us, another another employment lawyer, Mm -hmm. and find out how to get that compensation. And in some cases, you'll find this is tens of thousands of dollars, sometimes even more. So you really don't want to let leave that money. Sitting on the table, and it 's as easy as just going on that website, find out what you're owed, give us a call, and we can help you get and, it.
0: and you know don't be shocked by the the rather wide chasm between what the labor board tells you what you should get or what your employer offered you and what the severance pay calculator tells you there's no bug in the system that 's the actual amount right yeah and it 's not that the Ministry of Labor is lying to you
1: or being dishonest. Right. what the Ministry of Labor is doing is they're talking about your minimum entitlements that is all they are legally allowed to talk about, and if you ask them well i do do I get more, the only thing they will tell you is. Go see a lawyer. If they tell you anything else, then there that's a problem. But but yeah. typically, that's what you're going to get is just go see a lawyer. And it's people like the lawyers at ST Law who can tell you, no, this is your full entitlements. The Ministry of Labor can only help you with a very small piece of it.
0: Seven's pay calculator.com. Check it out when well, we take our uh, first break here. 1-855-821-5900 is the number. And help at EmploymentHour.com as well. Lots more right here. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML. The number 1-855-821-5900. It is help at EmploymentHour.com as well. You want to get a hold of John here, Lior, or anybody else in the firm you want to talk to, that is the way to do it. Uh, biggest mistakes employers make. Let's get started on this one. Uh, first one, not understanding the difference between common law and the Employment Standards Act. Yes, one of these things is not like the other. (laughs) That's right, thank God. And uh, if
1: employers actually understood this, we probably wouldn't need to do what we do. But yes, the reality is is that most employers do what the first gentleman that I was speaking about at the top of the hour does, which is to Google lawyer their legal obligations, Mm -hmm. find the Ministry of Labor's website, and they come up with the ESA and they say, okay, well, all right, I guess that's all I need to pay. No, of course not. That's the minimum amount, and the full amount is much, much higher. So if you're an employee who's been terminated or an employer who's about to let someone go, you've got to speak to a lawyer. Don't guess about this stuff. Give us a call.
0: All right, and of course, go to severance pay calculator if you're both an employee or an employer, because it'll give you the give you the right amount moving forward, right? So there's no surprises. Severance pay calculator
1: is always the place you want to start,
0: yeah, yep. because you just put in
1: some information and you'll get the range of exactly what that person's entitlements are going to be.
0: Biggest mistakes employers make temporary layoff. We talk about this one all the time. Again, this is one of those things. You look up online,
1: you go to the Ministry of Labor's website, they'll say, yes, you can do a temporary layoff for certain periods of time, depending on if you increase increase the benefits over the layoff period. But actually, in the vast majority of cases, a temporary layoff is going to be a termination at law. So although the ESA does Allow temporary layoffs, certain circumstances need to be present. And in most cases, those circumstances are not going to be present. And so you can treat it as a constructive dismissal. So make sure you speak to a lawyer before leaving your job, but make sure you speak to a lawyer quickly also, because if you wait too long, you could be deemed to have accepted it, and then the employer can do this to you again. And for employers who want to start a temporary layoff, there is a right and a wrong way to do it. So before you engage in a temporary layoff, make sure that you have
0: the specific agreement that you need in order to be able to do that. So that's what it boils down to. It boils down to a letter, something that was given to the employer off the start about temporary layoffs. It has to be written into law on their end, yes?
1: That's right. So it works very similar to termination clauses. So if you have an agreement that an employee is only going to receive the minimum amount and that agreement is legal, which most of them aren't, but in the few cases where that agreement is legal, then as an employer, you can restrict that employee to the minimum amount. Same thing with temporary layoffs. If you have a specific agreement that says, here's what's going to happen, you agree that we're going to engage in temporary layoffs, and we're going to do so in accordance with the Employment Standards Act, and the proper language is in there, and it has to be drafted in a very particular way, then yes, in some circumstances, it is present. But the reality for employees is that 90% of employees aren't going to have that. And it's going to be something that the employer didn't anticipate. Likely there's a slowdown in business, slowdown in sales. And they say, well, we don't want to let everyone go. We think we might be able to call you back. So we're just going to cut you loose and hopefully we'll, we'll bring you back. Can't do it without a specific agreement.
0: And, you know, and that language to an employee thinks, oh, that's very nice. They're not even firing me. They're just putting me on ice for a while. It's very nice of them. But the problem is, as you said, if they accept it once, maybe twice, then what happens? Yeah. I mean, if you accept it once, that's that's
1: going to be a problem. If you accept it twice, that's going to be a, a, a bigger problem because the more that you accept these things, the more it starts to look like this is now term of your employment. This right. is now a part of the deal that temporary layoffs are just something that happens at this, at this uh, workplace. And you don't want to let that happen. So you really have to make a tough decision when you first get that layoff as to what you're going to do. And the way to do that is to give us a call and we can talk about what are the consequences of
0: going each direction. Because Treating it as a termination isn't going to be the right call for everyone, but for many people it will be. 1-855-821-5900, the number, help at employmenthour.com. Uh, not providing notice in writing. That is our next on the list of biggest mistakes employers make.
1: That's right. So last year we actually passed the 10-year anniversary uh, of a case our firm did which established the principle that a termination date that is not clear is not really a termination date at all. So the whole point of notice of termination is to allow people to plan for for their termination. So if an employer simply comes up to you and says, hey, guys, we might need to do some layoffs, guess what that counts for? Nothing. So employers, make sure for your own good, you give your employees a firm termination
0: date, get an employment lawyer to draft it for you, and don't leave anything to chance. That pretty much goes for the employee when it becomes uh, things that they're letting their employer know of or rebuttals if it's uh, you know anything within the workplace. Everything should be in writing, at least emails, right? And keep them. Everything should always be in writing. But it's it's more than that when it comes to a termination
1: date because it can't just be something in writing saying we're winding down and the end is nigh. Like you right. can't say something like that. You have to say your employment is going to end on December 20th, February 20th, March 20th, then the employee knows exactly how much time they have to look for a new job. And that that's practically going to be very important because if they're going to interviews, they need to be able to tell these prospective employers, I'm going to be here until such and such date. So if you can start me earlier than that, later than that, that's going to affect how I interpret this offer. So that it's that reason that the courts are very strict about requiring a very firm, very unequivocal termination date.
0: And again, it kind of refers back to, as it quite often does in your business, to the severance pay calculator. So if you've got somebody who, for instance, a 20-year employee, and they find out that you know in 3 months from now they've received this letter that your term your, your your employment will end on April 15th such and such 2018 well then they better have a look at that severance pay calculator now they've been given some notice of termination but it might not be enough to cover what their severance offer would be correct that's right so working notice of termination does count
1: towards severance right but just because you've been given working notice doesn't mean it's adequate. So you want to go to the severance pay calculator. And when you're talking about how much severance have i been given? So if the company says, we're going to give you three weeks of working notice, and then we're going to give you payment in lieu of notice for another three weeks, well, that's a six month severance package. So you do need to understand that all of those things count, but at the same time, you need to decide whether it's actually adequate. 1-855-821-5900
0: One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number. We'll uh, take a short break here. Help at employmenthour.com. Lots more to go. Again, if you have some time, you haven't used yet, just for uh, just for routine, severancepaycalculator.com as well. This is the Employment Hour right here. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto in CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred 821 5900 is a number it is help at employmenthour.com. Right here got uh, John Pinkus from the firm filling in for Lior today and giving you the uh, the digs, the news and uh, the the right way to go about things when it comes to your uh, employment and dealing with your uh, employment laws and your uh, your bosses for that much as well. The uh, biggest mistakes employers make next one here entering into unenforceable employment contracts. Yeah. So the law
1: around what constitutes an enforceable contract and an enforceable termination clause is constantly changing. And in the past year alone, we've seen a number of decisions from both lower courts and the court of appeal that have added a lot of confusion as to what it means to have an enforceable or illegal termination clause. And this is a delicate exercise. And again, if you're an employer, do not go to Mr. Google Lawyer. Do mm. not copy and paste one online because you are almost guaranteed to get it wrong. You've got to speak to a lawyer who can help you get it done right. And for employees, you should know that it's if you have an employment agreement with a termination clause, it's not the end of the story. It has to be a legal termination clause. Most termination clauses are illegal unenforceable, and the way to find out is to give us a call.
0: Because sometimes it's not written the right way, and it's not even as worth the paper it's written on, right?
1: That's right. It has yeah. to be
0: written a very particular way, and
1: we can look at them and in about 30 seconds tell you whether that's going to be an enforceable clause. The
0: biggest mistakes employers make, we're getting through our list here, uh, not distinguishing between independent contractor and employees. This has got to be like number two of the questions you get through email in the firm. There's so many people say, oh, I'm an independent contractor, right? This is a huge, huge
1: issue, and we've seen, with the, especially with the new Bill 148, that there is a new emphasis by the Ministry of Labor, even to ensure that people are properly classified. And remember that it doesn't matter what your employer says you are. Yeah. It doesn't even necessarily matter if your employer is not making deductions at source and paying you HST. What matters are the facts on the ground. If it looks like a duck, swims like a duck, and quacks like a duck, then it probably is a duck. An independent contractor, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) So before you make any assumptions as to what you are and what you're owed, give us a call. Let's run through the analysis of what your position actually is and find out what you're owed because you may be surprised where you get a letter and it says it's the end of your contract. We will pay you $5,000 as a gratuitous payment. You give us a call. You may find out that you're entitled to 10 times that amount. And I've had exactly that situation happen a few times. So that those are one of the most important people that need to speak to a lawyer are independent contractors, especially if you're working for just one company. Because almost certainly you're going to be owed severance. In that well,
0: situation. let's just for a moment take it uh, just to the side when it comes to independent contractors, because I know there's a lot of uh, a lot of folks listening going, you know what? That that's what I am. I thought I was an independent contractor. What does John mean that there's different rules and different things that apply? Give me a, a short list as we get down this, uh, this list of the biggest mistakes employers make. What makes an independent contractor versus an employee? It's about control, Mm -hmm. it's about investment,
1: it's about profit. So if you've got a, a company who is scheduling your hours, who's giving you work that you can't refuse, who is, you're working in an office, maybe you're not working in an office, but you're only working for them. This is not the kind of relationship that you'd expect, for instance, if you're hiring a plumber or someone to you know, fix your TV or someone to, to build a house for right. you. That's not a genuine independent contractor relationship. There's clear control, there's all the indicia of an employee relationship. So, and a lot of times, and this happens the most I see this happen is with sales employees. They, they call them commissioned agents or something like right. that. And they say, well, you're there selling our products, but we're really Really, you're more of a consultant kind of a person. We, we don't actually have you as an employee. We're not going to give you an office. Well, if that person is spending 50, 60 hours a week working for this this company. They're giving them a region. They're giving them direction. Sometimes they're even scheduling their hours and giving them work that they can't refuse. It's going to be very difficult. It's an employee. They're going to be an employee or, or some form of an employee. Sometimes they're called a dependent contractor, which is another form of an employee. But in almost every circumstance, that person is going to be owed severance if they get let go. And in many cases, they're also going to be owed things that they get under the Employment Standards Act.
0: You want to distinguish, quite simple. As John says, One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 5900 Make that call. Help at com as well. And uh, we'll get to this one. The biggest mistakes employers make. Last one on the list is firing for cause for medical absences. Wow.
1: Yeah, this is one of the cardinal sins yeah, of uh, you, that you can do when you're an employer. The, the only equivalent is potentially firing someone on a maternity or yeah. paternity leave. Medical absences are really the quintessential, non-culpable form of absences. and i'm I'm constantly amazed at how often and how consistently employers get this one wrong. And it really is quite serious because not only are you firing someone and depriving them of their severance, but you're doing it at a vulnerable time of their life, probably. And you're probably going to be exposed to human rights damages also. So it's just a terrible, terrible idea. And if this has happened to you, maybe you weren't fired during a medical leave, but you were fired shortly after one. Or you were fired because you right after you requested a medical leave, you have to give us a call because you're going to be entitled to something in that situation.
0: And it's uh, it's amazing. I know we've talked on the show before about someone say, you know, they're off on a medical leave and they're planning to come back, say, in nine months and they get low let go and the company says, well, we won't have a job for you. Well, it's kind of hard to crystal ball at nine months ahead of time saying you won't be here anymore. They can't really do that, right? Right. So the employer has to prove that at the time that that person was said
1: to come back, that there really was no job for right. them, that they really just had no way of bringing them back. That's a very, very difficult thing to do. And you certainly can't do it ahead of time. And we see this happen with people on medical leaves and people on pregnancy leaves. And so if someone says they're going to give you notice, but it's while you're on a medical leave that that's going to be
0: a violation of the human rights code 1-855-821-5900 is the number. Help at employmenthour.com. You haven't checked it out yet, check it out. Severancepaycalculator.com as well. Find out what the uh, the correct amount of your severance offer should be. It takes about 30 seconds to go through the metric. And if you want to contact John or Lee or the rest of the firm, there's a button at the bottom you can do so. Other than that, it's uh, completely anonymous. We'll continue with more Employment Hour right here at Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML. one 5900 is the number. You want to get a hold through email, you can do that as well. Help at employmenthour.com. Com. We'll uh, we'll bounce over to one quickly here. Says uh, Leanne, I la- just lost my job at an assemb- as an assembly worker. Pardon me, I uh, would have had my five year anniversary next month. I heard that they fired me because uh, I was there for less than five years. They don't have to pay me severance. Can they do that? It seems really unfair. Well, yes, strictly speaking, they can terminate your employment for any reason, Leanne.
1: The- they can choose to do it without regard to seniority or based on seniority. Right. There really doesn't have to be any rhyme or reason to it. But they must pay you your proper severance. And it wouldn't surprise me if someone in your position, without even knowing more, is entitled potentially anywhere from four to six months of your pay. Right now, it sounds like they're probably only going to be paying you four weeks. So that could be very significant. And depending on how much you were earning this pos- in this position, it could be many thousands of dollars. So please do make sure to give us a call at ST Law
0: so we can help you out here. Talk about working notice of termination. Let's get into that topic. So uh, what's the difference between working notice and severance? Well, in terms of
1: the compensation that you get, there really isn't difference. The only difference is one you have to be working for and one you get to stay home, <laughs> right? quite frankly, and, and start looking for a job, really, which is what severance is for. So an employer has the right to pay what's called pay in lieu of notice or to give you working notice. And in fact, the idea behind severance is is when someone doesn't give you working notice, severance is supposed to be simulated working notice. So working notice is really at the core of of what we do. And the reason um, that most people don't get working notice is because it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have someone who's gonna be fired staying in the office. But in terms of how different they are, they
0: both go towards your severance. It's just one you stay home and one you gotta stay at work. Can the employee do a combination of example you are owed after you've gone through the severance pay calculator, of course, uh, twelve months severance and everything and all the components of your uh, your compensation should be there. Can an employer give you? Not that they would. Six months notice and then after that, six months severance, or any other combination thereof. They can and they do very often. So if you find that you
1: go on the severance pay calculator and you see that you're entitled to twelve months severance, and the employer says we're going to give you six months working notice and six months pay and leave notice. That's a fair severance package, because that is your total entitlements under the law, and the fact that they're giving it to you as a working notice, although it's probably frustrating to have to work for your severance, that is legal. So they can do why that. Why
0: would they do? Why would someone give working notice of any
1: any length at all? Well, when it, speaking to my employer clients, a lot of reason why they do this is if they have a very small operation. So you see this with sole proprietorships, small right. partnerships, uh, small uh, small offices. And where there's maybe three to five employees, it's a very healthy relationship, and they're going to use that working notice to actually help that employee to find a job. And so in that in that circumstance, they might give them all working notice, or if it's the kind of situation where they're closing the business in a few months, they might say, okay, we're going to give you working notice until we close the business. Get some work out of you, at least. Yeah, right? and, and we, would, you know, we would keep you here for longer, but there's going to be nothing to keep you here to do. So right. after that, we're just going to pay in, in lieu of notice. So you really see it more with those small businesses, which is typically
0: the only place that it makes sense. Talking about working notice of termination, next one on our list, uh, how common is it? It's not all that common. As I said, it, it's common with, with small organizations, yeah.
1: but with larger organizations, you have to worry about decreased employee morale. Certainly, you got to worry about in, in decreased employee performance. It makes it uh, awkward to replace that employee. So it, it rarely makes sense, so it's rarely used. And as I said, you see it more with those small, really small organizations.
0: one 821 5900 is the number. Help at employmenthour.com. We're talking about working notice determination. So what happens if the employee... Uh, they don't want to continue working. They they've been told I I got to li- you know linger here for three months under your control, but you're letting me go. I mean you know I can see the dark end of the tunnel.
1: Yeah, and and here's where the bad news comes in for employees. They the employer can force you to work for your severance. Yeah. It's it, it seems uh, draconian, but that is the state of the law because the purpose of severance is not to reward you for past service. Although in reality, people who've been somewhere longer is is going to get a, a larger severance package. Yeah. It's to help you find your next job. So what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to continue working and the employer has to give you some
0: reasonable opportunity to look for a job during that time. Do you ever have cases uh, that you've dealt with where uh, an employee, if it's a especially long uh, termination or uh, noticed period, they say, you know, maybe we can negotiate this. Maybe instead of working here for 10 months, how about I do seven months and you pay me the last three?
1: Yeah, that's a great point, John. I actually have done that on a number of occasions. And if you're going to convert working notice into a severance package as an employee, you have to expect that that severance package will be less. It will be be discounted because you're now getting it without having to work. But that is something that we can often negotiate. Employees just have to keep in mind that there's a limited amount of leverage in that situation because you can't just turn around and say, okay, well, we're going to bring you to court because the judge is going to say, well... Uh, they gave you working notice. That's that's legal under the law. Right. That being said, in many many cases, that is something that we can do. So it is worth having a frank discussion with your employer uh, about it, and it maybe if if necessary, getting us involved to intervene.
0: That number's easy as well, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com. You got some time, check out the Severance Pay Calculator as well at severancepaycalculator.com. We'll continue our discussion about working notice right here on the Employment Hour on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML. 1-855-821-5900, the number, help at employmenthour.com. John is here from the firm, giving you the information, answering your emails today. We'll get back to our discussion of working notice. We'll get to another email, though, from uh, Jules. Says, I've been working in a daytime shift for the last three years, and my employer is telling me now that I have to work evenings. I have sleeping problems, which my boss knows about, so this is going to be a serious problem for me. Do I have any rights? Can they do this? Absolutely, you have rights.
1: Uh, your employer does not have the right to make such a fundamental change without providing adequate notice, especially if you have a medical condition that they should be accommodating. So what I would say, Jules, is make sure to put this in writing to your boss. And if they still impose this on you, give me a call and we'll start talking about getting you a proper severance package. That's not only going to be a wrongful dismissal, but a violation of the human rights code on the ground of disability. And any of the lawyers at ST Law can definitely help you out with that.
0: Barring the medical bar, saying she, uh, for anybody else who doesn't have maybe a sleeping condition, it's just a change and shift from mornings to nights, or if they've relocated them, you know, 30 miles down the road, or they're going from Mississauga to Oshawa, or wherever they may be in whatever town they are. Does that also apply? I mean, it's so case specific. It's so yeah.
1: fact specific. So before any employee makes a decision, they really do need to to speak with a lawyer about it. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to leave and then find out, you know what? That was a resignation. You just gave up all your years of service and right. all your severance. So you have to be very, very careful before you leave in a situation like that. You you can't just again don't don't Google lawyer right. Yeah. Speak to a lawyer uh, because it's going to depend on the facts and some forced transfers to some places are going to be a termination mm-hmm. and some won't and sometimes it's not just about the distance it's about the reason why they can't go back to right. the office It's sometimes it's about the circumstances in which they were hired so if they were hired on the basis hey we will hire you and as part of enticing you to come here we'll give you this uh, we'll give you a an arrangement where you can work close to home it's going to be very hard for the employer to say, well, we can just move you wherever we want, because
0: that was so critical when they started the relationship. So it's very fact-specific. Talking about working notice determination as well. uh, Next one is, does the employer have to pay additional severance at the end of a notice period? The answer to that one is it depends. And
1: in large part, it depends on the size of the employer. So Yes, in some cases, there will be a lump sum owing at the end. If it's a small company with only five or six employees, no, there isn't going to be a lump sum owing at the end. But in any event, the lump sum that is going to be owed at the end of that is going to be just your uh, minimum statutory entitlements. That being said, sometimes that lump sum can be an issue. And I've, I've got a couple cases right now where it's literally just that lump sum at the end of the working notice mm-hmm. that we're, we're fighting for, because that can be tens of thousands of dollars in some cases. So it, it is important to understand whether you are entitled to that additional lump sum payment. And you can give us a quick call, and we can tell you very quickly if you're going to fall into that category.
0: And that number, by the way, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 855 time. So how much notice should an employee get? Well, that is the golden question, right? Isn't it? Yeah. And
1: that's going to vary on a case-by-case basis. It's going to depend on age, position, length of service, uh, potentially some other factors. But those are going to be the main three. And
0: the answer to that is going to be found at uh, severance pay calculator. I was going to say, even though it's not we're talking money here, we're talking notice. You could still use that as a as a calculator, right?
1: Right. So when oh. you see the uh, the severance pay calculator, it's going to tell you how many months, and it's going to tell you the amount of money. So if you're trying to think in months, then you're going to see, okay, you're owed anywhere, for instance, between 9 to 12 months. So if you've been given something in that range, then you've been given a fair severance package. If you've been given half that amount of working notice, then they're going to owe you a lot more at the end of that working notice period. So it is worth giving us a call in that case.
0: And should mention as well, there's also an employer mode on the severance pay calculator. So if you're an employer listening to the show today, you can also use it as well, right? Yes, very easy. If you're an employer...
1: You're wondering what is appropriate in the circumstances. You go onto that site and you'll find out exactly uh, how much it is that you need to pay that particular employee so you can hopefully avoid having to deal with someone like us All later right. on.
0: <laughs> Talking about uh, working notice of termination, finally, can the employer change terms of an employee's uh, employment during that notice period, or do they have to stay status quo? Well, no, it's the same rules that apply during the wor- during the
1: regular employment right. relationship. So. If they do something significant, for example, changing hours, changing compensation, uh, major drop in in pay, change in duties, then that is going to be a constructive dismissal and you may be able to leave and claim the rest of the severance that you're owed or claim the severance that you're owed in fact, from that point onwards as severance pay. and the good news is at that point you don't have to work for it. so that is something that you should be attuned to. but again, before anybody leaves, Uh, that situation, it's very important that you give us a call because it's not something you can afford to make a mistake with. And as an employer, just business as usual. Don't yeah, right. change anything. Yeah.
0: one 821 is the number. If you have questions and want to ask some questions outside of show hours, terminationquestions.com as well. You can go to that website. Uh, there's a good chance your question has been asked and answered there as well. There's uh, literally thousands of them out there, so check those out, terminationquestions.com. And as always, to find out what your severance should be, the correct amount, severancepaycalculator.com as well. You can do that on your desktop, your laptop, your Android, your tablet, your iPhone, whatever your device is. You can go there right now and have a, a quick look at that one. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up right here. Global News Radio 640 Toronto and CHML. one 821 5900 is the number. Help at EmploymentHour.com. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it up uh, today, John, with a few emails. I'll throw these at you. Again, Help at EmploymentHour.com is the address you want to use anytime. Daniela says, I work for a large software company and have been uh, there for the last 20 years. Now they want me to sign an employment contract. It's very long, and I don't understand half of it, of course. Uh, they say I have 24 hours to read it, sign it. What do I do? Several, so, several issues here. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's
1: a lot going on here. So first of all, Danielle, the first thing you need to understand is that an employer cannot force you to sign an employment agreement. That doesn't mean that they can't physically fire you if you refuse. Right. But your refusal is not going to give them any more rights than they had before. So in other words, they can't use this to justify firing you for cause. And if you've been working there for 20 years, this employment contract very likely limits your rights to termination pay. It may impose a series of oppressive post-employment obligations on you. It's almost never in your interest to sign an employment agreement. So you want to be extremely careful about this. An employment agreement is for the employer. It is not for you. Make no mistake. And there is a reason... They want you to sign it so quickly. It's because they don't want you to speak to a lawyer. So while, again, we can't physically stop your employer from doing what they may be planning to, to do, and they may be planning to say, all right, for anyone who wants to sign this, we'll keep them. Anyone who doesn't, We'll just get rid of them. But the fact of the matter is it's going to be very expensive to get rid of you right now. So they may decide to back off if you say, no, I'm not going to sign this agreement. So the last thing you want to do is sign it before speaking to a lawyer. And it may be the case that it's it doesn't have a termination clause and it doesn't have anything that affects your rights after you're terminated. But I would be very surprised if not if at least one of those things was not in the employment agreement so so please do give us a call so we can review that employment agreement. And point you in the right direction here,
0: well, and she said there it's very long, which is uh which that, that 's a big uh, you know red flag right there right
1: yeah it's very long, and it wouldn't even need to be very very long in some cases, an employment contract is just one page, and that employ that employment contract of one page can be extremely damaging to your rights, and sometimes and we 've talked to people who they've worked someplace for twenty five years and they give us a one page employment contract, and we have to give them the bad news that. You just made a $100,000 mistake. Brutal. and And it's one of the worst conversations to have. So you really, really need to be careful. If there's one thing I think anyone can take away from today, do not sign an employment agreement. Just like you wouldn't sign a, a termination letter, hopefully, right. or release without talking to a lawyer, do not sign an employment agreement without talking to a lawyer.
0: Get to uh, Varun here. Varun says, I work for a company uh, 55 hours per week as a salesperson under an independent contractor arrangement. There you go. They haven't paid my commissions in two months and told me there's nothing I can do because, well, I'm not an employee. Is there a way I can still go to the Ministry of Labor even though I signed an independent contractor agreement? Okay, so a
1: few things going on here. So the first is that the, the fact that you sign an independent, contract agreement, independent contractor agreement does not mean that you are necessarily an independent contractor in the eyes of the law. And by the way, the fact they may be paying you as an independent contractor, as I was talking about earlier, it doesn't mean that you are one. So we're going to look at a variety of factors. We're going to look at the level of control the employer has on you. We're going to look at the investment you've made, how exclusive this relationship is. And you you may very well be entitled to protection under the Employment Standards Act for unpaid wages, for vacation, for holiday pay, the whole gamut. Uh, But more importantly, if your employer hasn't paid you in two months, then you're very likely going to have a very strong case for constructive dismissal because, of course, that's that's a pretty fundamental thing. You know, that's the deal. I'm going to work here. And you pay me. You're going to pay me. So if one of those things isn't happening, then that's going to be a big problem. So I would say that you can you can leave now and claim your severance. But before you do that, Ruin, I want you to give us a call because we want to make sure that you do it right and we want to make sure we understand the situation as a whole. But I can tell you here that the likelihood of you being an independent contractor is Pretty close to nil in a situation like that. Well,
0: yeah, the first line was, you know, I work fifty-five hours a week for this company. So I mean if you know, if you don't like sleeping, possibly you might have two or three other gigs, but I doubt it working fifty-five hours a week, right?
1: Right. And that's the interesting thing here. So let's say even if all those other indicia weren't there, let's say that they they have complete control over their hours. They have they invest in their own car, their own materials, and the the employer doesn't assign them work. They make work on their own. Mm-hmm. Well, you're still dependent on that company. So even if you you may not have the protections of the Employment Standards Act, but that doesn't mean that you can't claim a constructive dismissal as a dependent contractor. Right. And and I've done that in some situations as, as many other lawyers at St. Law. So. It's not the end of the story. Even if you're, you know, if you're listening to this and you, f- you hear, well, you know what, I don't think I really fit the definition of an employee, you still may have entitlements here. It's just maybe not to to go to the Ministry of Labor, but you don't really want to go to the Ministry of Labor anyway for yeah. something like this. You, w- you want to claim through the courts and you want to do it with a lawyer.
0: Got about a minute to go here. We'll squeeze Mark in here quickly. It says the uh, company fired me for cause because I said I stole something, but I didn't. they the only severance. Well, theft is going to be just cause for dismissal, but only if the company can prove it. So if they can't
1: prove it, they're going to owe you some severance. So if there's video surveillance or documentary records of some kind that can exonerate you or show that someone else did it, the company's going to have a big problem here. So
0: please give us a call, and we will see what we can do for you. Done for another week nicely uh, nicely done sir 18558215900 is the number it is help at employmenthour.com if you haven't checked it out we talk about this every week it's been around for about 4 years and literally hundreds of thousands have used it and uh, got the information they should have and need severancepaycalculator.com till next time this was the employment hour right here global news radio 640 Toronto and CHML